pray for Peter, my brother. Lord God, you are a consuming fire. And at times it feels as if we can't truly comprehend everything. But Lord, you have made yourself known in Jesus Christ and through your scriptures. And also in the spoken word. And I pray now for Peter as he speaks your word to us. We will have the ears to listen to what you have to say. Let your spirit be with him and with us as you as you speak your word through your servant Peter this morning. Amen. Peter, over to you. Amen, amen. Mm. Our God is a consuming fire. He is terrifyingly dangerous to be approached without without being fireproof but in christ we have been made fireproof it is possible for us to come into his presence we are invited to come into his presence because he's not just a terrifyingly dangerous fire but he is a an inviting a kind a generous a a safe father that we can come to with our our needs and our requests with our thoughts with our anxieties with whatever with whatever it is he is indescribable but he has made it possible for us to describe him he has made it possible for us to communicate with words with him in fact the whole world that he's created he has made in such a way that we have images for what he is like we can look at the, the the beauty of a of a river reflecting lights and and god is god is like that river he's 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 refreshing like cold water on a cool day but he's also wild and powerful like white water rapids he's like he's like in um uh, buildings built with great at great expense and with great skill to point towards the heavens because he he is complex and he is big bigger than than we are able to understand although he's not spatial in those terms he is he is also a, a presence that we are able to enter into and where the the real decisions that affect all of history are made what is god like he is like He's like a lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. He's like a lion that roars and and the, the animals run for their lives and tremble. He is like a mother looking after her kids at home while they put their face in the camera and try and get as close as possible to the computer screen so that they can let everyone see what's up their nose um he is like a friend that will never leave you what is god like the bible says well the bible says lots of things and um a biblical sermon might if you read the whole of Hebrews, have 40 minutes, but in this little sermon, I'll try and, um, no, no, no. There's James, the book of James only goes for about 12 minutes if you read it. So, so long, long sermons, even as long as Paul's that were so long that someone fell out the window and died. We'll try and avoid that today, although you don't have too far to fall if you were sitting there. Um, uh, 
What does this passage have to tell us about God this morning? It starts with this incredible contrast between God revealed in the Old Testament on Mount Sinai to the people of Israel after they'd been brought out from Egypt. And there was God, a blazing fire on top of Mount Sinai and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet. There's something Shakespearean going on here. Strange twanglings, methinks I hear, in the air. And a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Not because it was in Shakespearean language that they couldn't understand, but because they could understand the words. They were simple, they were clear, but they were terrifying. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. And even Moses, who was the one called up into God's presence, said, I tremble with fear. What is God like? He is like that fire. He is terrifying. But there's this contrast. There's this complete change. God. God is inviting us to come and encounter him not as a terrifying presence that we can't can't come close to but into this this joyful exuberant celebration mount zion the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem and innumerable angels in festal gathering and the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven and to god god himself there is a complete change before only Moses or the high priest once a year having made all the sacrifices perfectly according to the law was able to enter that that place that represented the presence of God whereas now all the time and as Lynn was saying to me in our little breakout time it doesn't need to be in this this time once a week when we come together in in church but all the time whether we feel like doing all the actions like that YouTube video is telling us to do, to touch our toes or, or not, or whether we're uh, too tired this morning. God is here and he is inviting us to, to draw near in one sense and in another sense, well, there's no escaping it. Simply to realise that, that that same consuming fire that was there on the top of the mountain is now burning in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who we received when we first believed in Jesus. On the one hand, everything has changed. Why? Because of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, who he died on the cross. And as he did, the curtain that was there in the temple separating the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. And now we can come. Us uncircumcised Gentiles or whoever we might be, whether you're Jewish or whatever you might have believed before God began to overwhelm you with the irresistible truth of his reality so that day by day faith becomes easier and easier. And well, sometimes it might seem more difficult, but God's reality doesn't change. And so we're able to come and encounter him. And even when we go, we, we carry his presence with us. Everything, everything is completely different. 
than it was in those old covenant days when they were there camping out in the wilderness. Now we're invited to not not the desert, but a city. And we're not told by Moses trembling with fear what he thinks God has told him to say, except he broke the tablets because we'd messed up. And so now he's going to have to go back up the mountain and hope God writes those commandments down again. But now, now we have Jesus who we, we know that Jesus is, is merciful and he is gracious because we read the stories and we see how he related to people who were outcasts and lepers and prostitutes and tax collectors and, and religious people. And, and whoever they were, Jesus wasn't really worried about who they were, but what he wanted was for them to know that they could be free from all the expectations of everyone else and they could come and they could follow him. Everything has changed. And yet, on the other hand, God is still exactly the same. Our God is a consuming fire. And, and the passage starts with this blazing fire. And, and they're both God. It's the contrast between God in his real, true nature before Jesus had done what he came to do. And God, as he still is, still burning with this holy, righteous fire that sin cannot endure in his presence. And yet God is love. Perfect love drives out fear. And so there's no there's no fear in his presence. Fear is just the reaction of someone who's still on the edge of his presence beginning to see what he is like. But but it actually it's a it's not a bad response to the reality of who God is. God is a God of justice and justice does sometimes mean judgment and there is judgment upon evil. There is judgment upon every sort of sin, not just the really bad ones that we can point at those politicians, adulterous politicians who make us all wear our masks and not even see our loved ones while they're dying, locked in their nursing homes while they go and do whatever they like. But but even the little things that I did something I knew was wrong and I don't think it's harmed anyone, but that tiny little speck of sin, like a, I don't know, like a fly in the ointment, like a little bit of rubbish in your perfume and, and suddenly the whole thing is it, ruined. That is sort of what it is like when sin comes and contaminates the world, except somehow God fixed it all. And Jesus came into the world and he died for our sins. And he said, Father, forgive them. And that's not a question that we're wondering, well, will will the Father forgive them? But in fact, Jesus is the incarnation of the nature of the Father. The very fact that he's there asking the Father to forgive them is because God has already relationally said, yes, I, I forgive you, but there's some things we need to sort out. And one of those is helping humans understand 
that God's judgment and God's forgiveness and God's grace and God's mercy, they're not they're not separate opposing forces. Jesus didn't just save us from the accusations of the enemy, but Jesus saved us from the justice of God. But he also saved us into the justice of God. And there's this strange, incredible tension. It's so tense sometimes. How can a holy God look upon me and my sin and, and not just say it's okay, it doesn't matter? Because he does sort of say that, but he also sort of says, he does really say, it's okay. But it does matter, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but sometimes that point of later comes. And so third point I want to make. The first was everything has changed. But the second was God has not changed. And the third is that tension. It's the tension in which God says, yet once more, I'm going to shake things. And I was struck for the first time this week reading that. That strange little bit where, where in verse 26, the writer quotes this verse from Haggai. And then he again says this phrase, yet once more. Yet once more, and I've, I've read Hebrews before, and I thought I understood what once more meant, and I thought it meant once. But I realized it means more. And I, I realized the, the similarity with a few days ago, my little boy Paul, who was probably still breastfeeding the last time he was in this hall, but now he's talking and he's walking. And um, after dinner a few days ago, he leapt up on my lap and said, Daddy, do you want to see an ac acrobatic trick? And I don't know, maybe inspired by the gymnasts at the Olympics or the synchronized diving or I don't know what. And I said, yes, I do. And he just sort of tumbled off my lap onto the floor, holding my hand so that he did a sort of loop or something. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And then he looks at me and he says, OK, Daddy, I'm almost finished. And he gets up again and he says, do you want to see an acrobatic trick? And I say, OK, let's do this. You're almost finished. Hey? And again, he sort of tumbles off, off my lap onto the floor and leaps up like the Olympic champion that we know he is and says, OK, I'm almost finished, Daddy. And, and he climbs up again and again and again. And I'm not sure how many times it was, but he was almost finished. And it's exactly like that. God is almost he's almost finished. He just needs to shake everything once more. And this last year, he's been doing that, hasn't he? The whole of the world has been shaken. And, you know, God's been putting the church through some acrobatic flips as we learn that while local church it is important that we are local and we're ministering to our local area, but we do also need to know how to use technology to connect with our local community. And as we do that, we find that our local church extends to Nigeria and Bulgaria and um, even parts of Old Swan and who knows where else. Um, and sometimes it's felt like, yes, we're flipping like... Um, one of those incredible Olympic athletes, and sometimes it's felt like, oh, it's like the one of those cycling races where they're all tumbling over each other, and it's not quite as uh, neat as we were hoping it would be. 
But I'm here to warn you that the government might say that uh, lockdown is finished, but, but God is not finished. And, and he still says, yeah, once more. And from God's perspective, it's just once more. It is almost done. History is, is basically over. We are not just in the last days. We are on the other side of that line that separates historical time from unchanging eternity. We are here in God's presence and he has put that burning fire in our hearts. And, and there's no need anymore for us to be afraid. But there might still be a need for us to tremble from time to time because and when we do it's probably a sign that oh we've not quite managed yet to be stripped of all those those imperm impermanent shakeable things that that will get in the way of us encountering god in his fullness the way that he really wants us to meet with him For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. It's, it's, it's not purely nice, the gospel. It, it is... It is so nice. It's so it's sweeter than honey. It's beautiful beyond description. It is glorious. And the blood of Abel, Abel, that righteous first martyr killed by his murderous brother for offering to God a, an acceptable sacrifice that Cain was just jealous that he couldn't do the same thing. Jesus' blood speaks a completely different word. It's grace. It's mercy. It's forgiveness. It's judgment, but it's judgment that God poured out in his wrath on his son. And so it's not judgment that's going to be poured out on us. And yet, as God disentangles us from the sins that we think are part of us, and if God's going to accept me, that just means he accepts everything about me. That's sort of true. But as God works history out, your eternal identity is not those sins that you think are part of you. Your eternal identity is a perfectly holy son or daughter of the living God. And God is going to gently or not so gently, just once more shake everything that can be shaken until each of us is as perfectly holy as Jesus himself. Maybe that won't happen before the end of our lives. <laughs> but but I'm sure God will surprise us with both the incredible shaking that is still to come, but also the comfort that he is able to give us in the midst of it all. Because everything is completely different after we know what Jesus has done and who he is. And yet God is completely the same. And there's a mystery there. And I probably not helped you understand much more than you did before. But maybe I've given you something to think about this morning. So thank you. Thank you. Let's sing or whatever it is. Sam, over to you.